3: is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network.
1: Let's move on to Devin Nunez because if we're ever going to get to the bottom of what the – here's the link, right – of what these Russian connections were all about, well, it's going to have to come from, really, an independent commission. We've said that for a long time. You can't trust either the Senate Intelligence Committee or the House Intelligence Committee – led by two Republicans, Richard Burr in the Senate and Devin Nunes in the House, to do the job and get to the bottom of it. That became even more clear yesterday, particularly in the House of Representatives, when yet again Devin Nunes steps uh, into or steps on his you-know-what, the House Republican chair, uh, with, with one more admission about his close ties to the White House that he's supposed to be Investigating where I mean, where do we lead on this? All right, so let's 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 kind of back up. The first thing we know is there's uh stories about um connections between the Trump operation and Russia, they're popping up all over the place. Donald Trump calls Devin Nunez and says, Hey, could you make some calls to reporters and tell them? They're barking up the wrong tree. There's nothing to this story. And Devin Nunez says, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. And I'll make, I'll make those calls. And then Nunez, right, right he finds out that there's some, um, he, he gets some reports that he says show that there was surveillance of people around Trump because their name showed up in surveillance that had been done on some Russian officials here in the United States. So what does Nunez do? He runs out, gives a press conference announcing this, a big alarmist. Then he runs down to the White House and informs Donald Trump about We talked about this last week. He doesn't tell the FBI. He doesn't tell Adam Schiff. His counter-democratic counterpart. He doesn't tell the members of his committee on the intelligence committee. He goes down and he informs Donald Trump. Now remember, Donald Trump, who's the subject of the investigation, right? So, and, and he tries to explain that away. And the White House says, "Well, we don't know." I was there when Sean Spicer. I was at the briefing when Sean Spicer says, "We don't know what he's coming down here to tell us. We have no idea because we don't know what his sources were or anything." Well. Yesterday, this is the latest. It turns out that Devin Nunez's sources were was sourced was somebody in the White House. He was on the White House grounds the day before he held that news conference. That's where somebody showed him some stuff. Somebody in the White House showed him this and said, "You've got to get this out there. We trust you to get this out there and he comes back up and pretends that. Nobody in the White House, and the White House pretends nobody there knew anything about where Devin Nunez got his material. Now we find out, yeah, it did come from the White House. So they're all in cahoots. I mean, this is pretty clear. The White House hands this stuff to Nunez. He goes up and says, I just discovered this. It just came over the transom. I'm telling you, and now I'm going to go down and tell the president. He got it from the White House. He didn't have to go down back and, and brief the White House. He is so corrupt. And by the way, and also so incompetent, it is just stunning. Uh, now, so here is yesterday. And, and by the way, the story is really, uh, it's almost right out of a John Carré novel. Because the day before, the day he gets the information, Nunez is riding in a car. He's in an Uber car with his, one of his aides. And his phone goes off. And he looks at the phone and then he says, stop the car. Right away. And he jumps out of the car. He doesn't even tell his aide where he's going. Jumps out of the car, somehow makes his way to the White House, gets his information, and the next day announces it as if it's news that came from nowhere. Nunez trying to um, uh, defend himself last night. I didn't plan on doing this.
4: I wasn't planning on going to the White House the next day, uh, but after I was able to read what I read, I realized it had nothing to do with Russia, (laughs) but had everything to do uh, with individuals who were uh, whose names were were included into intelligence reports mm-hmm. uh, I was very concerned and I thought that the president of the United States should know and that's why I went and told him and Nunez says I didn't nobody
1: down at the White House even knew I was on the grounds
4: I'm quite sure that I think people in the West Wing had no idea that I was there that is so uh, look curious. I go over there a lot uh, yeah. I go over there often uh, for, for meetings and briefings uh, to meet foreign dignitaries, all those sorts of things. I go to all the agencies. It's part it's part of the role of oversight.
1: Uh, let me tell you something. There is not a sparrow that falls on the White House grounds before they haven't counted the feathers before it lands. Everybody knows. I mean, you cannot.
3: Well, unless you, unless you jump the fence and hang out there for 15 minutes before anybody uh, Well, that's true. That is true. the one exception. But, yes, you're right. But, yeah. <laughs>
1: But if you are the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, you don't get on the White House grounds without people knowing you're there. I yeah. mean, you know, that would be like saying Dick Cheney could just drop in on the White House and nobody would know he
3: was there. Right?
1: No, they wouldn't even. They wouldn't even. Say, no, it's just it's just unbelievable. At any rate, it got so bad after all of this. Finally, um, Adam Schiff, the ranking Democrat, said we've known this, but. It really is boiled up now to the point where there's no way, no way that Devin Nunez can chair this investigation and get to the bottom of anything. Here's Adam Schiff last night. It would be in the chairman's interest as well as the committee's for him to recuse himself. Um, and uh, and it's my hope that he'll do so. Yeah. Eric Salwell, uh, rank, another, not the ranking member, but another Democratic member of the Intelligence Committee, echoing Adam Schiff. He's betrayed the independence that we're supposed to show. He shouldn't be anywhere near this investigation, let alone leading it. And when you watch the way that this White House works when it comes to Russia, this is what it looks like when you're covering up a crime.
3: Yep. That's exactly it. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Drip, drip, drip. I understand that there (laughs) will be some partisanship that's being played here. I, I, I get that, right? I don't like it, but I get that. But when it's so naked and it's so over the top... And it's so, I mean, it doesn't even just flirt with the lines of partisanship. It is blatantly the most partisan thing yeah, we've ever yeah. seen somebody that heads the intel committee do. Right. And, and so you've lost all credibility as to as lead
1: Adam, a real investigator. Right. As Adam Schiff said, you've got to be either the investigator, chair of the committee, do your job, or be a puppet of the White House. You yeah. cannot be both. Adam. This is what it looks like when you're covering up a crime. Right. It does. And it's exactly uh, what it looks Devin like. Nunez has decided uh, he's going to be the puppet. He's not going to be the independent chair. On the Senate side, uh, Senate Leader Chuck Schumer yesterday echoing uh, what's been said by uh, Leader Pelosi in the House and uh, co- uh, the Democrat ranking member uh, Adam Schiff. If Speaker Ryan wants the House to have a credible investigation.
5: He needs to replace Chairman Nunez.
1: And Nunez, last night, he was on Bill O'Reilly, and he says, no, I ain't going anywhere, and this is why the Democrats want to get rid of me. So he wants you to quit uh, the investigation. You're not going to do that.
4: Yeah, well, I'm sure that the Democrats do want me to quit uh, because uh, they know that I'm uh, quite effective at getting <laughs> to the bottom. Uh, All right, well, let's hope things.
1: so, Congressman. Oh, yeah. He's so effective getting to the bottom of things. No. 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 He's a total sellout. He's a hack. A total pawn, a total hack. I mean, seriously. I, I this is a pretty, this is a very important position. Yeah. And you may disagree with their policies, but some of these Guys down there, they're Republicans. They do it. They're they're professionals. They do a good job, right? With maybe some of the wrong ideas, but they're competent. This is t- total blatant incompetence. It's like he is so clueless about the way he should be handling himself. He cannot be in a position of being the conduit from the White House for leaking false information and still have any credibility as the chair of, of that committee. As for the White House reaction, Sean Spicer wants us to believe. Oh, no, we're not. Uh, he said this yesterday at our briefing. No, no, this doesn't concern us at all. We're not concerned
5: about that. I know that he is, again, everything that I know about what he has done is through uh, public uh, reports that he has made on the record to different folks when he said he has multiple sources.
1: Yeah, no, he's multiple sources. He's got one source. He's got the White House. And remember, see, see, this is what, remember when Donald Trump told Tucker Carlson in that interview, you just watch, in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be some hot stuff coming out, right? Well, what was he talking about? So here's what happened. We can see it right now. The White House comes up with these surveillance reports, which show the reason that was picked up, understand is because as part of normal CIA and NSA monitoring of phone calls from Russian operatives whom we consider to be Russian spies here living in the United States working for uh, various banks and agencies and even the Russian embassy, in those conversations suddenly to pop up all these people around Donald Trump who were talking to these guys. So that's what these reports were. So White House gets these. They call up Nunez. He's riding in the car with his friend and say, hey, come over here. We got something to show you. Nunez goes over to the White House, comes back to the House. The next day he makes this great big announcement. And then he pretends the White House knew nothing about it. And so he runs down to the White House to brief Donald Trump. You know what? They got caught. They got busted at their yeah. little game. Yeah. And then and how dare Sean Spicer says, we don't know what his sources are. Yes, you do. You are... His source. Right? Exactly. Uh this is this is this is really bad news. And for for Paul Ryan to leave Devin Nunez in charge of this committee uh means uh you know that, that 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 they're all in cahoots together.
3: We keep coming back to this with Paul Ryan and the Republicans that are carrying water for Trump because that's the real line of defense here, right? Like, if you want to know exactly what kind of party the Republicans want to have, yeah. you look at how the mainstream Republicans allow Donald Trump and his sort of lackeys to run the government, right? That's what we're really looking at here. And and so <laughs> far, they're willing to just let him do whatever he wants. No it's puppet. Ad- it's, yeah, no puppet. Yeah. It's so clear that there's something going on. And if there's not something going on, it damn sure looks like it. It's
4: It's pretty. And so, (laughs) if
3: if if there's nothing going on, and you want a real, honest, open investigation, you got to get rid of Devin Nunes. That's it.
1: Right. You got to get rid of it. But they're not going to do that. I would go even further. I mean, I think it's pretty clear. We, it's it's clear. I I think there there will be no
3: puppet. no puppet. Uh, no, the the pu- right? <laughs> there's
1: no, there's no resolution of this in the house. It's impossible to have a fair here yeah. uh, investigation in the House Intelligence Committee. Um because Paul Ryan won't allow it and Donald Trump won't allow it. Uh, in the Senate, you know, I have a little more faith because Mark Warner is there and he's a good guy. But let's you know, Richard Burr is also in Donald Trump's pocket. It's hard to believe we can get an independent, a a get to the bottom of things in the Senate Intelligence Committee either. I come back to what John McCain and Lindsey Graham have said, and others have said too. There has to be, and this is important enough to trigger a total special committee, independent commission, or special prosecutor, whatever you want to call it. It's got to be taken out of the partisan hands and maybe even put in, just like the, the 9-11 Commission, yeah. right? Put in the hands of people who were not even members of Congress, the Kerner Commission way back when, uh, and take a look at this and really find out what happened. It's not going to happen. not going to happen with Devin Nunez in charge. Uh, the White House briefing yesterday started out with a surprise appearance by Attorney General Jeff Sessions, uh, who had a message for Sanctuary Cities... Warning you, you better urge, urging cities to reconsider and drop their sanctuary policy.
0: I strongly urge our nation states and cities and counties to consider carefully the harm they are doing to their citizens by refusing to enforce our immigration laws and to rethink these policies.
1: And the Attorney General says if you don't, you're going to lose your federal money.
0: Failure to remedy violations could result in withholding grants, termination of grants, and disbarment or ineligibility for future grants.
1: Tom Javits is the Vice President of Immigration Policy at the Great Center for American Progress and joins us in our studio this morning. Hey, Tom, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, is the Attorney General cracking down or trying to change the subject?
5: Well, I mean, I, get, I think both. I think for starters, there's no question that they were trying to change the subject. Friday's loss on the health care bill was monumental for them. Um, and, you know, I, I was thinking about that on Monday morning, frankly, before coming to work. Uh, you heard they were going to have a big week uh, rolling back the clean power rule. Uh, And then, you know, a day early, they decided to jump the gun and put out something big on (laughs) sanctuary jurisdictions. Yeah. Um, So I I don't know. We can talk about it in more detail. I don't know there was new news made yesterday, per se, um, but it is definitely the, the, the first step. Maybe like the second or third step, frankly, in a multi-step process that could lead to the administration trying to withhold funds and picking a fight with jurisdictions.
0: Well, they're
1: very adept at changing the subject, and and they yeah. and they they've moved fast before, you know, on yeah. things that uh, they hadn't expected to get to, but they moved it up, right, in order to try to get people talking right. about something else. So, uh, this uh, to go back to your point, this is hardly a surprise coming from the White House. They've said before a yeah, so, part of the crackdown on immigration.
5: I mean, for starters, the throughout the entire campaign, Donald Trump made uh, sanctuary jurisdictions and immigrant communities broadly uh, the you know something that he would hold up at his rallies uh, to get the crowd whipped. up. yeah. yeah. Right? So that was something that was sort of a, a common theme of the campaign. In the one of the first executive orders that was issued by the administration on interior enforcement, uh, uh, Donald Trump laid out. Uh, a a broadside attack filled with lots of inaccuracies about sanctuary jurisdictions and said he was going to direct the secretary of homeland security to designate certain jurisdictions as sanctuaries he would order the secretary of homeland security and the attorney general to uh, cut off federal funds from those jurisdictions and he ordered the uh the office of management and budget to do a full accounting of all the federal funds that go to those jurisdictions and so that that process has been underway for the last two months And in some ways, I think actually Jeff Sessions really jumped the gun on that review process because we don't yet have Mm. a designation from the sector of Homeland Security about what jurisdictions they're talking about. We don't yet have an accounting of what funds they're even looking at. We just now have uh, Jeff Sessions saying, you know, I'm going to basically, you know, uh, look at DOJ's funds. And if you happen to be one of those jurisdictions, look out, I'm coming for you.
1: How many sanctuary cities
5: are there? Do we know? So that I means a great question. Th- there's no such thing as a sanctuary city. The, the, the concept of sanctuary cities is 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 like catch and release, it's like one of these phrases that I think uh, the the right whip pulls out every now and then to try and get people excited. But there's no there's no actual definition. So the concept of a sanctuary jurisdiction generally refers to uh, a, lo- a locality, a county, a state that has adopted policies or practices or laws that try to be welcoming to immigrants or that try to limit involvement with federal immigration enforcement efforts. Um, The most clear example of what those kinds of policies look like, and there are about 600 jurisdictions around the country, 600 counties, and a handful of states that have these oh, kinds of policies. I was policies. going to ask you, whether
1: there are any states? or yeah, there entire there,
5: states? There, I mean, so so, uh, uh, Rhode Island has policy regarding, as a state it has a policy regarding detainer compliance. California enacted the Trust Act a number of years ago that pertains to uh, to when detainers will be respected. And I was going so the, the, the most concrete policy you can look at for what nowadays I think is tied to sanctuary jurisdictions is what those jurisdictions will do, what law enforcement in those jurisdictions will do when they have someone in their custody and the federal immigration enforcement uh, authorities ask them to hold that person for additional time, even after there's no longer any basis for the local law enforcement to keep them in custody. Mm-hmm. Right? It's called a detainer request. And they say, basically, look, I know you arrest this person, I know you dropped charges against them, or I know they posted bond, but keep holding on to them for a few more days, and we're going to come and check to take check to take a look at them. Um, so hundreds of jurisdictions around the country have adopted policy saying, you know what. I'm happy to hold on to this person, but I need to have a warrant. I need to have some judicial warrant that tells me I have authority to do that because courts around the country, federal courts around the country in the last few years have been holding jurisdictions liable uh, for holding those people in their custody because it violates the law. So that's I mean that, that's really that, that's that's sort of the the kind of the cutting edge it, of where this is going right now.
1: And is a thresh is there a threshold on the crime committed? Or the reason there is—I mean, so traffic stops. are we talking or petty theft or?
5: So under the Obama administration, where do you draw the line? So under the Obama administration, uh, so under the Bush administration, the Bush administration started a program called Secure Communities. I'm not going to go through the whole history of it, but um, the Obama administration really ramped up Secure Communities. They they made it uh, mandatory on all jurisdictions nationwide that they would have to uh, they would have to essentially when someone's booked into custody. Uh, by a local law enforcement, they would share their fingerprint information with the DOJ for criminal background checks, and DOJ, FBI would then share them with DHS for immigration checks. Under, for, for, for several years under the Obama administration, once immigration would get that information, they would very frequently issue these detainer requests. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of concern about that. There were a lot of local jurisdictions that opposed it. Uh, data came out showing that a huge percentage of people who were subject to these requests actually ended up never being convicted of any crimes at all, and so it was it was a pretty... It was, it was a big dragnet for, for unauthorized immigrants who were getting pulled into the criminal justice system. And, and this was under the reason. Obama administration. That's right. Yeah. So there was a reform that was made in 2014 uh, where they replaced secure communities with a thing called the Priority Enforcement Program. And the idea of that shift was that, essentially, immigration and customs enforcement would be a little bit more strategic in who they would issue requests for. Uh, they wouldn't necessarily issue requests for everyone. They would try and go after people who have serious convictions uh, and actually pose a threat to public safety. What... President Trump announced very early on in his, uh, his, his presidency is that he was going to eliminate Priority Enforcement Program and go back to the Secure Communities Program. And in general, in an executive order he issued and in a memo that the Secretary of Homeland Security issued, they were going to essentially get rid of all prioritization in immigration enforcement. So now, essentially, everyone, and therefore no one, is a priority for enforcement. The reason that's relevant is that we expect to see over the next few months and years probably many, many, many more detainers being issued for all sorts of people no matter what level of offense they, they are brought in on, right? Because you get picked up for, for, for a traffic offense, if you're booked into that jail, it isn't currently practice, and it's been practiced for a number of years now that those prints get sent to the FBI, they get sent to ICE, and if, if ICE wants to send a detainer request for you, they can. The question is what are the jurisdictions gonna do when they get that request? Right.
1: It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. (music) Donald Trump ready today to sign an executive order wiping out much of the progress that President Obama made toward dealing with climate change. Joe Siracione is here with us in studio, Uh, uh, president of the Plowshares Fund. But, Joe, there is, I mean, you were saying this is not our topic First of all, oh, climate yes. change is everybody's topic, yes. right? If yes. The if, care Mil- about the, if you care about the survival of the planet,
0: well, right? and the U.S. military identifies climate change as a major threat yeah. to U.S. national security.
1: Exactly. And in terms of foreign policy, which we usually talk about, I mean, you know, we signed a pact with a lot of companies around the globe that we're going c- countries, countries yeah. around the globe. We're going to take this seriously. And in yeah. fact, take the lead. What happens to all of that now?
0: You could consider what Donald Trump did yesterday as a violation of that agreement. That we're not. We're not, we may not meet our, our goals now to reduce carbon emissions and therefore uh, slow down the process of the warming of the planet.
1: So he could maybe not uh, yeah. uh, directly withdraw from the Paris Accords, but just simply n- not live up to the terms right. of Right. Sa-
0: sort of the same um, game plan for health care. So not, not just destroy the system, but undermine it bit by bit, just not do the things that are required to meet the goals. And it, most
1: other countries today do accept the fact that um, climate change is a serious economic, national security moral threat. Right.
0: Most countries and most scientists, 98% of all scientists agree that this is, uh, this is real and, it's, and the planet is warming because of human act- activity. It's because of the industrialization. I'm telling you, I was just in Greenland. I was on a glacier. You could see the, the, the historic uh, path. Oh, the glaciers oh, are retreating. Oh, yeah. People are concerned about the Arctic melting. This is the warmest year the Arctic has ever had. So this is a very serious threat, it is measurable. It's not just that that it goes on year to year, people are seeing it in their living experience. They're experiencing a warming of the climate from from one year to the next.
1: It just seems to me that there should be some limits as to what you can destroy. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I understand even that they could have a different policy and take a different direction on healthcare or on education. Or on transportation, whatever. But it seems to me that like global warming ought to be off limits. Yes, right? I mean yes. when it comes to the survival of the planet, you should not be able to muck around with it, right? That, yes, we, we should all be able to agree. That's one thing we just got to do, right?
0: We're going to survive. Yeah, and polls show the American people want us to do this. The American people believe the planet is, is warming, yeah. and they want us to do things. So again, this is an unpopular step that the administration is is taking.
1: I uh, last week. Um, the governor of California was yes. uh, in yes. town. Yes, I'm sorry I missed him. I was able to have dinner with him one evening. Uh, and Jerry was in town for the board meeting of the Nuclear Threat yes. Initiative. he is now a member of the board. He is right. Uh, and he's one of the only American politicians, I think, who is really talking about the Nuclear Threat Initiative. I mean, people don't think that there is such a problem these days. I mean,
0: he, he's passionate about it.
1: Yeah, oh no, he totally is. Yeah. Very committed to it and thinks we all should be talking yes.
0: about it. Yes. One um, of the two great threats st- threats to the planet uh, global change, uh, uh, climate so, change, and nuclear weapons. Talk about the threat. How real is it? It's very real. I mean, you've got 15,000 nuclear weapons in the world held by, by, by nine different countries, stable and unstable. Um, that's enough to destroy the, the, the planet several times over. The two biggest arsenals are in the hands of the U.S. and Russia. No progress on on disarmament. It's, it's, it's basically stopped. All the countries with nuclear weapons, our allies and adversaries, are all building a new generation of weapons. They're all... They're all sort of what we euphemistically call modernizing. So including we, the including United us, States. us. Yeah. We have a plan to spend a trillion dollars on new nuclear weapons over the next 25 years. You know, this is an arms race, and this is why Jerry Brown is so concerned. Okay, let me tell you about one. some good news here. This is increasingly an issue for members of Congress. This is what you're seeing, is people are worried about this. Hmm. They're worried about the overall situation. Um, but as long as Barack Obama was the president, they didn't do anything against him. But now this is an interesting situation for liberals. You know, liberals will support a liberal president even if they disagree with some of his policies. Now that it's Trump, people are looking at the policies w- with more concern, both because of the, the inherent instability in the policies, building more nuclear weapons, no disarmament, and yeah. also because it's Donald Trump.
1: Right, And they're yeah. concerned about yeah.
0: an unstable individual with his finger on the button. So Senator Markey— Who talked
1: talk loosely about if we got these nukes, why not use them during right. the campaign.
0: Why do we have them if we don't use them? Yeah. That is a right. chilling statement. So Senator Ed Markey and, and Representative Ted Lieu, a rising star, have joined together to, to restore checks and balances on nuclear policy. That's a bill that uh, says if we're going to use nuclear weapons, the Congress has to authorize their use before we use them first. So if you, Donald Trump, decide you want to use a nuclear weapon against ISIS, which he's talked about in the past, you have to come to the Congress for authorization. The way it is right now is only one man controls the nuclear arsenal. Only the president uh, makes that decision, and he doesn't have to check with anybody about it. Not even Steve Bannon. Oh, boy. God, that is just so
3: terrifying. Yeah, We talked about this. When, like, during the campaign, you know, you yeah. came in and you talked about this.
1: I wrote a column about yeah, it. Yeah, right. and I
3: mean, to be perfectly honest, I, I remember listening to that and being like, well, at least we don't have to worry about that. Like, right. I don't think we're really going to have to get to that point because I don't think he's going to win.
0: So I want you all to go back to that place inside of you that remembers how you felt. Horrified. Horrified. Yeah. And here it is, and we're dealing with it, the, and we're yeah. so distracted by everything else that's going on that we're missing some of the fundamentals that are here. But like you, this man has control of the largest nu- and most effective nuclear arsenal in the right. world. Right.
1: And if you think about this uh, decision making process, right, it's like, what, five to eight to ten minutes or something? In, ten minutes
0: in which... max of discussion of the situation. Right. So you're told, decides... you're
1: told there are incoming missiles. Yeah. Uh, and he he and he alone, he alone without consulting anybody doesn't have to, no not can required. Decide, And you've got the code and he pushes a button and off we and go. And within
0: four minutes of an order, our missiles are flying. And once they are launched, they cannot be recalled. There is no Tom Cruise coming in here to save the day. Once he launches the missiles, it's all over. And remember we've had numerous instances. Where they've been right. Where well, there's been false reports, false reports that were under attack. I mean, a flock of Mr. geese, Mr. President. A flock of geese. A rising moon. A, right. A, all kinds of a computer glitch. A false tape put in the in the in the system that mimicked a full scale attack. Yeah, presidents have have been yeah, woken, one case woken out on
1: the silo. I think in North Dakota or somewhere. The 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 guy there put in a training tape. A training tape. Which which, which uh, this uh, is if you see this, this is what you ought to do. This is at NORAD. The adnorod. guy sees at NORAD. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: And the guy sees it and thinks it's a real thing. Yeah. Jesus. All the big screens are showing incoming Soviet ICBMs. And
3: it, it, like, Donald Trump has been very very wrong about things, right? Yeah. Just look at his wiretap tweets, right? To think that he, with his media diet as weird as it is, could like well, see something that looks like could justify nuclear
0: war right and within four minutes right and this is why the Marky Lou bill becomes so important because yeah. as that scenario there's also first use where he just decides to use one and as this presidency sinks and I'm with the stock market on this I think this thing is unraveling mm-hmm. you know I, I we are not gonna get any of the good things that he promised us and we're probably gonna get a lot bad. you got to be very worried about a wag the door dog scenario where he creates a national security crisis to justify him being president and repress any kind of opposition or efforts to remove him. And that could involve a nuclear scenario. Holy crap. Because that is, that is, you know, that is, you remember when, when Nixon pulled something like this and went to DEFCON 3 in 1973 when he was under impeachment threat. So you gotta be worried about this. So if you can't wait till then to do something, put some checks and balances into our nuclear policy now. They're sensible in their own right. And they're vividly demonstrated by the nature of the president we currently have. Great. Right.
1: Big times at the White House um, yesterday, uh, for example, on sanctuary cities, on whether or not uh, they still have confidence in Devin Nunez. Lots going on, and Hunter Walker is right there in the briefing room every day for Yahoo News joining us in studio. Hunter, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how about it? So I imagine today Jared Kushner will show up to explain (laughs) why he had this... Uh, previously undisclosed
2: meeting with the Russian banker. What the hell's going on? Well, you know, basically Jared Kushner. He just got announced that he's running this sort oh. of consulting office for the entire government. This is Donald Trump's Trump's son-in-law and uh, close advisor. I should probably note my former boss as a New York Observer reporter. Yo,
3: that's <laughs> oh. right. I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: He he bought that. He bought the New York Observer and owned it while I was there. I, I only met him like two times. Um, but yeah, it seems he met, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the name of this Russian bank. Sergei Gorkov. Yeah, and it's a Venechikon bank, I believe. Yes, yeah, there you go. Wow, man! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. bank. You nailed it. Yeah, thank you. Nastrovya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, what what was really interesting there is he said it was sort of in his capacity as a transition official, and I believe the bank told Reuters it was about business. Mm-hmm. So this is really the question, and it, it is the question with so much of, you know, the Trump organization and Trump family people, and also with Jared Kushner, who's at the who was at the helm of his family's, you know, real estate empire, are they mixing business with politics? Um, and this seems like another area where we can ask that question.
1: And this bank, at the time he met with, and still is, mm-hmm. under sanctions uh, because of uh, Putin's seizure of Crimea. So, basically, it was an outlaw bank. He was meeting with the president of this outlaw bank at the request of the Russian ambassador. Now, tell me. They weren't talking about the weather. I mean, (laughs) come on. The
3: whole whole Russia thing is so complicated and weird, and I think that there are so many Democrats that are hinging the future of the party on, well, Donald Trump has these close ties to Russia, and I just don't think that's going to win in the long term, but... There's definitely some weirdness there. And, like, why are they being so cagey and weird about the relationship with Russia or Russian banks or Russian businesses and being secretive? And Kushner says it's about the transition and they say it's about business. And it definitely looks like the actions of guilty people.
2: Well, you know, I I think you're right that. Their handling of these conversations with Russian officials is what makes it weird. Yeah. Like it was yeah. not weird until you made it. Right, weird. right, 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 right. Like, right. you know, it is normal for yeah. the Russian ambassador to be in touch with US officials. It is even normal with for the Russian ambassador to be in touch with Officials on presidential campaigns, you know, the Mm -hmm. Pakistanis uh, the former Pakistani ambassador wrote this great column for the Washington Post where he was saying I was routinely in touch with um, Officials during the past couple elections to figure out how their policy might affect my nation I mean that's diplomacy It's basically the job of these folks to you know See how the political landscape is changing and what it might mean for their country What's weird is when you get someone like Michael Flynn who's like? I didn't talk to the guy. I yeah, did talk yeah. to the guy. Then lies to Pence about what they discussed. You know where he did have the conversation about sanctions, but said he didn't. So, so you know, to get back to your point, I think that's correct. It, it's not necessarily strange to be in touch with these folks, but they seem so eager to cover up or obfuscate what the conversations are that it looks odd. And that
1: under the in the context too of Donald Trump denying saying Russia is fake news and denying there were any contacts at all. And then we keep hearing about them. Some harmless, perhaps, and some, you, you wonder. Like Roger Stone saying, yeah, I talked to the guy who hacked the DNC, <laughs> but we didn't talk about anything
2: real, right? Yeah, what, I mean, Roger Stone...
1: What was he doing in touch with that guy?
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, Roger Stone is a guy we could we could spend hours trying oh. to figure out yeah. what is going on with Roger Stone. You know, this is someone who... Revels in his reputation as a former dirty trickster for the Nixon and, you know, revels in his ties to the Brooks Brothers riot that was part of sort of <laughs> right. the yeah. fix of the 2000 election. Um, this is a guy who intentionally has branded himself as a master of the political dark arts. Uh-huh. And it's very difficult to tell when he's telling a little bit of a fish story or when he, um, is actually telling the truth. So you have to take everything Roger says with one of those like giant Himalayan pink salt crystals, <laughs> all right? Not, not even a grain of salt. Um, but that being said, you know, these tweets where he seemed to tip his hand and seemed aware that some type of dump was about oh, yeah. to occur on that.
1: John Podesta next, right? We're
2: gonna hear about John Podesta next. How did he know that? Yeah, um, and, and you know, now he's he's alleging he had some type of back channel to Julian Assange. Um, he also seems to have been in touch with this hacker, Guccifer too, who he said was a woman. Yeah, did you notice way. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. He was oh, he really? was talking
3: about it. he says, Well, I haven't talked to her Except for Ooh, in pol- and oh. everybody was like, "Oh, whoa!" Like, <laughs>
2: well, and, and let me tell you, no, knowing Roger, I I feel like by he the way, couldn't... shout
3: out to all the women out there doing <laughs> j- just as good of a job as men everywhere, especially when it comes to hacking political
2: elections. But yeah, I, I think Roger, knowing him, I, you know he's he's a self-professed libertine, and I'm not sure he could resist any woman sliding into his DMs, even <laughs> oh, if, even uh, if uh, she uh, was a Russian hacker. <laughs> um, but you know, this is really interesting because you know. The central question here, we we saw in the intelligence report, you know, the the U.S. law enforcement community is saying Russian government officials were behind this hacking. They did it to benefit Trump. The key question right now is, was there collusion?
4: The Parting Shot with Bill Press, this is...
3: Is the Bill Press show.
1: You know, with Devin Nunez, it is four strikes and you're out. Yep, four times now, the Republican chair of the House Intelligence Committee has proven that he can't be trusted to lead a fair and independent investigation into contacts between the Trump operation and the Russian government. Was there actual collusion between Trump aides and Russian officials in trying to influence the outcome of the 2016 election? Was Trump himself aware of what was going on? Was Trump himself involved? Well, we'll never find out as long as Devin Nunes is in charge because he's proven that he's nothing but a puppet puppet of the Trump White House now on four different occasions. He's proven that. First, remember, as requested by Trump, he called reporters and tried to shoot down stories of any Russian connection with the Trump operation. Second, he canceled a public hearing scheduled for today at which James Clapper and Sally Yates, former attorney general, and John Brennan, former CIA director, were supposed to testify. Third, last week, he ran to the White House to brief the president on intelligence reports that some of his aides had been caught on surveillance, incidental surveillance, talking with Russian aides. Yes, he informed Donald Trump of that before he contacted the FBI or Adam Schiff, the ranking Democrat, or members of his committee. And now fourth, he admitted yesterday that the source of those phony reports was actually the White House himself admitting that he was no more than a surrogate for Donald Trump. Democratic co-chair Adam Schiff was correct yesterday, and so was Nancy Pelosi, so was Chuck Schumer, when they called for Adam, for Devin Nunez to step down from the chairmanship or to recuse himself from this investigation into the Trump Russian connection, the House investigation has zero credibility as long as Devin Nunez is in charge. He can't work for the American people and for Donald Trump at the same time, and clearly. Devin Nunez has chosen to work for Donald Trump. This is the Bill Press Show.